everybody, this is Brittany and Byron, and you're listening to Dirty Laundry with BNB, a podcast about real relatable relationships. Transparency at its finest, we air it out and clear it up, offering couples and those seeking healthy relationships a safe, inclusive space to open the vents and find resolve. Hello, Dirty Laundry listeners. Hope y'all are doing all right today. How you feeling today, V? Feeling great, feeling great. Really excited about today's episode. Yes, I am too. We have some special guests here with us today. We are going to be talking to some family, actually, my aunt and uncle. And we're going to get into some deep conversation today about trauma in marriage. Yeah, we've talked a little bit in previous episodes about the traumas and dramas that we experience individually and then also in a relationship as well. So as we're married, there might be some things that we have to endure and that's going to change and shape sometimes alter how we feel about each other and how we feel about the road that we're going to travel together down the path. So uh, really excited about the opportunity to speak with this couple who have endured so much, um, yes. but now they're in the enduring stage of the love, right? Yes. Uh, that love phase. So really yeah, right. looking forward to that. Yes. So they have been through a lot of traumas in their life, and I know that they'll be able to speak to a lot of people that can relate, and not just traumas as a married couple, but traumas within their childhood and their young adolescent years. So I'm really excited for them to be here. They have a lot of experience. They are on a lot of committees and they provide a lot of support to their local areas. And so I'm excited to introduce Joe and Heidi. So tell us about you guys. Just kind of tell us how long you've been married, whatever you want to share. Okay. Well, we're coming up on 35 years of marriage in a few weeks. Yay. Excited (laughs) about that. We raised two children, Stephanie and Adam. Stephanie is 34 years old, and Adam passed at the age of 24 by suicide. How did you meet? Right. So tell us yeah. about yourself. Tell us how you met. That's yeah. great. <laughs> uh, we met at, uh, there's a place in Columbia, Missouri called Maxie's, and I had a uh, friend that wanted to go out and have a beer and I said nah I really don't want to and he said well I'm buying and I'm like well let's go (laughs) (laughs) but you know the the one thing that I can say is that I saw her first and she she looked like uh somebody that I would really like to get to know more and so I asked her to dance and I was totally expecting a no answer and to my surprise she said yes And then I just asked her a little bit about herself and uh, she worked at the Columbia Missourian. And so that next week I called the newspaper and asked for a Heidi and (laughs) she answered and and we started talking and I asked if she would like to go out to dinner. So we did. And we went to Red Lobster there in Columbia, Missouri. And we actually for our very first date, uh, shared a plate because we both just were not very hungry, but nervous, just not hungry. <laughs> so, I thought you were going to say you were a poor college student. You know, you had to share a plate or there something. Was there was that. There was that. Yeah. Um, and, and strangely enough, and actually Joe was 29 years old. I was 26. And, you know, we had both been with other partners previously, not married before, no children. But I remember when he picked me up, I was sitting in his car 
looking at his profile and something hit me that never hit me in my entire life. I don't know this man, but he will be my husband. Wow. That's crazy. Wow. I knew, I knew in that moment and it felt really weird and, yeah. you know, but because I thought, I don't know him. Why do I, why do I feel this? But I yeah. felt it to my core. And I was, wow. I was mostly worried that I, I picked her up in an old uh, international <laughs> scout that was rusted <laughs> out and I tried shining it up. It was really, and my biggest worry was that it was going to keep running throughout the whole day. <laughs> and you know what my worry was so my mother your grandmother Brittany um so when you walked in the door in the front door there was an enormous hole in the carpet I mean it was big enough you know for my dog to lay <laughs> and I thought oh this is embarrassing Papa was smoking a cigar and mom was smoking cigarettes. And I, was, I just thought, oh, this is not a good impression. And then what did you say about the hole in the carpet? Uh, well, I just thought, wow, these are pretty cool people. They're very unpretentious. And I thought it was just down to earth. I thought it was just fine. What a beautiful story of just opening yourself up to doubt and jumping into fear either of you not wanting yeah. to go and saying you know what let me go ahead let me go ahead and take a chance not knowing what you're going to find you asked for a dance joe and y'all been dancing ever since right and it's yeah, a, yeah a, we have yeah we beautiful we, we've known each other for 30 over 36 years and a few weeks we'll be married 35 and uh it's the best choice i could have ever made in my me life and me too uh, well that's a blessing it truly is. And the, the longer I uh, know Heidi, the more I love her. Uh, the older we get, the uh, the more in love we fall into with True. each other. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. So, okay. So we know how you guys met. So you guys meet. Before you're serious, did you ever introduce any of those traumas or did you find yourself nervous to share that news to to know how that person's going to like is that going to be a red flag and they're going to be like yeah i'm not dealing with all that how did you guys cope with that because not a lot of people can't maybe accept somebody's things that they've been through right about that and i don't know why that just fell into place really easily for us but we both had some major traumas that had happened you know before we got married and when we were dating I think it started one night, Joe just broke down and my heart, you know, just, just broke. And he had had a very traumatic event happen. And I, if you want to share. Well, that. sure. Yeah. I, unfortunately in those really younger years, I was a, the a victim of an extremely violent crime at the age of 22. And I was dating somebody at the time. And I was it still in the military, in the Air Force. A guy knocked on our door, um, and it was at her apartment, and I was there with her. And he asked to use the telephone. And uh, this would have been in 1981, and there were no cell phones. It was just phones on, on cords. So it wasn't, like, completely unusual that somebody had a car problem or something was going on and they needed to contact someone. And so we said, sure, yeah, we're, we just ha we're happy to help them. 
and uh, then he uh, entered the apartment and we went to get his phone and then he uh, pulled out a, a, a revolver and just stuck it in my face and uh, it went really downhill from there. You know, I just froze. I, even though I was in the military, I was an airplane mechanic. I was not a fighter. I didn't really, you know, I was just so taken by surprise. I just paused. Well, at that point, you know, when you're at gunpoint, that's, there's nothing you can do. And so at that point, it, for me, it was just survival uh, for me and for her. And uh, so he tied me up and uh, with my hands behind my back and my legs and tied her up, up and raped her um, on top of me. And he uh, just literally beat me unconscious. And uh, for I, I thought for sure, and he decided to leave. And it, I, I'm really compressing the story, but sure. he just, he left. And I thought for, he covered us up with a blanket. And I thought for sure that he was going to just shoot us through the blanket because we had gotten a really good few of them. And, uh, but he didn't, and he just left. And uh, that, you know, I, I didn't save her. So as a man, uh, that I, I just wasn't the hero that I thought I should have been. I felt totally guilty. And, um, and that how could such a terrible thing happen? We didn't deserve it. We weren't doing anything yeah. right. to, to, you know, bad. And that just defined my life for a long time. And we ended up breaking up. And uh, I went to Columbia, Missouri after that, where my parents lived and decided that I wanted to go to University of Missouri, which I did. And it was really, really tough and did really good in the beginning because it was a new environment, a new place to live and a new start. But the trauma was still there and I was making pretty good grades, but my mental health was just not good. And um, I went to counseling and this counselor was just, was beyond terrible. And I was just trying to let it all out. And the counselor, he said, well, you know, I'm sorry, but I just can't help but to be turned on by this story. And I just thought, what a what? jerk. And so, yeah, I just thought at that point, counselors were absolutely useless. And so I just didn't do that. Um, but and then uh, to be quite frank and honest, you know, I started drinking and just thinking that that would really help to soothe the pain and uh it's, it started off slowly at first and then it uh, over time it just got worse and worse and uh, to the point where um, i was drinking six to 12 beers every night still was young had a lot of energy and right. uh you know i and i was still maintaining really good grades in school but, uh, but it, it, that, that was a problem. I didn't realize that, that, you know, I was caring and, 
and it was like putting kerosene on the fire as far as mental illness goes and severe depression without really knowing what was happening to me. And, uh, and that, and, and years went by seven years after that had happened. That's when I met Heidi. Um, I had had a few relationships in between and they just didn't really work out. And probably from my, own mental illness because these young ladies were just wonderful people but i just couldn't i couldn't maintain a a really good solid relationship i really we talked about this here a few days ago i was like a mess when i met her i'm (laughs) well i'm gonna have to add you know when he said he saw me first yes well he might have seen me first and i knew i was gonna marry him right so i had to stick with it and he kept pulling away and pulling away and like over scheduling things. Oh, I forgot I was supposed to do something with this person today or help this person move. And something just didn't feel right. And we just had that conversation one night and that's when he broke down. And I think it was just really difficult for him to face having a relationship. And it's like kind of like we talked earlier that, um, is she going to think I'm damaged goods? Is there? Right. So then I, so then I open up. Um, I was a um, victim of sexual abuse as a child for many years, and when Joe met me, I mean, I'm pretty outgoing. Most people would say I do public speaking, and but back then, I was like, you know, in a very shell. Timid, I was yeah. very shy and very scared of the world. You know, and and that was my trauma. And then the first boyfriend that I had, I was uh, 17 years old. And for two years, he physically abused me until I was finally able to escape that. Even came and returned to visit me two years later and tried to strangle me. And, you know, yeah, and someone caught him and, you know, and pulled him off of me. So there were... I think we both had certain issues with trust as far as, yes. you know, people, you know, yes. people yes. went and, and mental health awareness was not out there. Like, as I, as I agree. Today. I agree. You know, so you didn't talk about these things and you kind of kept them to yourself, but we would share our stories with each other. And sometimes I, I don't know how many times Joe has shared that story with me or vice versa. But when we would go to, a, you know, that, that place in our mind, that was how we coped with it. We had to tell that story. We had to tell it and we had to tell it, you know, and go through all that garbage and stuff and to be cleansed and to be right. okay. But where that may push some people away, it brought us together because we had a common grounds there, right. you know, yeah. and we could empathize with one another. That was the biggest thing for me is that Heidi from the very beginning had a very like understanding, empathetic ear. And so we both had sexual trauma and we were able to share that with one another and understand what that other person had gone through. For me, that was, that was my life. I mean, I could not get over the hump of saying, okay, I'm in a good place, that the past is the past, and uh, it's time to move forward. It was very, very 
difficult. And and in that relationship, it's, it, it's kind of strange, but we were able to bond and actually have a healthy sexual relationship without right. freaking out, you know, over past events. And that, that never happened, you know, before, at least for me. Right. But knowing that he got me and understood, you know, we were able to just kind of be able to separate that from our own relationship. And, and so what did that look like? And, and I hate to ask you to put it into like, you know, chronological steps, but I'm sure that there have been people that have experienced traumas themselves and they're trying to make it work with their significant other, but they're having you know, uncomfortable conversations. And I, I love how y'all use the the very important word of trust. How did you all learn to trust each other so much to not only share your stories and your trauma, but then to start becoming intimate, even though you've had violent sexual, you know, experiences, experiences before? Right. What did that look like if you had to, you know, shape it into? I would life? not say that it like happened immediately, at least not for me. You know, it was kind of a gradual thing, but you know, this man and his love and his compassion just warmed me to my core. I can't, you know, it's hard to explain, but in a lot of ways in the beginning, maybe it was a little bit difficult, but overall it's been easy with him. I, I can't. Right. Do you I think it's because um, he kind of gave you that safe space? Like, had it been Absolutely somebody did. that was like, maybe not, maybe they're doing something like even with their body language and was like, oh, okay. Well, you know, like maybe it was, there had to have been something, you know, that said, this is a safe space. I feel safe. And that goes both ways. It seems like. It does. Well, I just knew how it, how it hurt her. I, um, I knew what it felt like to um, have um, sexual trauma. And so that's why I just let her do things at her pace and not try to push the issue. It's very and, patient. Yeah. Just yeah. stay. Yeah. And just care about her first. And then whatever sexual relationship we might have is really more or less secondary to what her feelings were. And what I gleaned from that is how imperative it is for you to communicate with your partner upfront, because say, for instance, one of you didn't share what you mm. had experienced before the other one's like what is going on is it me like why aren't you ready for this now like but because you all were both willing to share your stories you now have an opportunity to practice empathy you know right. and patience with your partner yeah, yeah. That's true. And I've had people say that like ha that have dealt with sexual trauma, they've said comments like, oh, I don't like to be scared or don't don't run up on me. Like there's things like that. Had you not told each other that and you did something like that, that could have been like a red flag. Like, you know what? You're just doing something that is a, is a trigger to me and they don't even know why it's a trigger to you. So thank goodness you, know, you all were able to communicate. Yeah. You just made me think of a, of a memory early on in our in our marriage. I could not sleep with my back to him and it's nothing he did i could not do you recall this he could not spoon me from the back right it had to be the other way 
around and so Joe, you I, were getting spoons. I don't know when that <laughs> changed, but it changed over time. Right. But it, it's exactly what you're talking about. Right. It's like somebody coming up on you and and it wasn't him. It was just right. that that trauma, you know, PTSD. Right. Yes. It's not a fun, fun thing at all. Yeah. Um, yeah. but it was a gaining of trust and yeah. Yeah. I was just worried about her. I mean, because I would, I, the whole time, especially early on, um, I was attacking myself more than anybody else. I was, right. cause I just did not think I was, you know, worth a hill of beans, uh, because I let, uh, you know, mm -hmm. a perfectly awesome young lady get raped right before my eyes. And, um, and this is, yeah, I, I was, I was, um, naive because I thought it was a, that rape uh, was a sexual act and right. that has sex is really kind of a byproduct. It's, it's, as I have come to learn that, uh, rape is a power play and that's all, that's the, it's just one person's power over another. And I just, I didn't. I didn't quite understand it all. So as time went on, it was, it felt like a broken leg and then you just, that, that took forever to heal and you just kind of limp along and pretend that everything is okay. And uh, as they say, fake it till you make it, but right. I wasn't making it. And when I met Heidi, Heidi, um, you know, I was uh, for sure alcoholic and I uh, definitely experimented around with marijuana for sure. And uh, thinking that that was really uh, going to soothe the pain, but um, the pain just kept getting worse. But this woman, she was very understanding. Um, and as I said to her a thousand times, if I were you, I would have left me a long time ago. Because when we met, I was a drinker. I smoked Marble Reds. Uh, mm. I didn't mind smoking marijuana at the time. And I just felt like I was a mess. And Heidi, for all intents and purposes, was not a drinker. She might have <laughs> one. Uh, she was not a smoker. And she also had a wonderful personality i always felt like her cup was half full and you know here i am just literally attacking myself for my own like inadequacies and but i just hated myself and i just oh. felt like um i felt like alcohol and all the rest was the was the answer but what it did was just made things worse and with heidi she loved me and, <laughs> um, and I still, even to this day, I'm like, wow, she still does. And it, it was a gradual over years change where I guess I started to see a different person in myself, but it was certainly with, not because she, she never like badgered me. She never, um, nagged me. She never pointed out my deficiencies. Like I smoked. I know she didn't like it, but she never nagged me about quitting. And I knew, I knew I needed to quit. 
and sure and he's been quit like 24 years yeah so i i quit smoking i don't drink i don't do marijuana like, you know i mean i just i'm i just i love my sober life i live a clean life uh, through the power of christ jesus yes and and i just love having a, a clear head and i'm a happy person today and i feel very secure content joyful and so it's good. And we we do an awful lot of work. I don't know if I told you guys, but I'm, I'm, I have another full-time job. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. You just can't stay retired, huh? <laughs> no, can't do it. Now we kind of, you know, we 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 go to that point. And then we have children. So yes. we have Stephanie first and Adam. And, um, and, but we're doing really well. I mean... Heidi had a rocking business in Oklahoma. We lived in Broken Arrow. She had a daycare. She never had to advertise, and she did a phenomenal job. And we both, of course, have degrees. And um, and then I was starting to kind of climb the corporate ladder a little bit. Sure. Nothing spectacular. And we, Heidi and I, were involved in pretty much all of our kids' activities. We were not trying to be overbearing, but like I was a scout leader for 10 years and yes. I was a girl scout leader and I helped coach their teams. And, uh, but we also tried to keep a little bit of distance, not to just, you know, overwhelm their lives because we really, I think we both had the same goals and I was sure. continuing with more education and we, uh, we worked hard and we had great friends. We lived in a wonderful neighborhood I felt very constructive, very positive in, in those years. And yes, now, can uh, I stop you for one second, Uncle Joe? Sure. Can I just want to say too, you? I'm so glad you're highlighting all these positive things. Did you ever have a point during all of these phases that I would say are probably natural phases of life, right? Especially our goals, you're accomplishing them. Did you ever feel like those trauma? Were you guys both like we're healed, we're good? Or did you feel like, you know what, we never actually really healed or addressed those. We just kind of brushed it away or compartmentalized it because like you both said in that time, you didn't really have outlets. Did you have a support group? Did you have people talking to you, telling you how to handle it, how to deal with it? Or were you yeah. just kind of moving? It, did it ever arise again? Like I, yeah. I oh, love yeah. all the positive, oh, yeah. but I'm just curious. Oh yeah. Um, over and over again. Yeah. And there is a thing called uh, complicated trauma, complicated PTSD, which is my my diagnosis. And um, it really was, I'm, I'll be 62 in May, and it wasn't until I turned 60 that I actually went through uh, counseling and wow. went through a program called EMDR, which kind of is a reset. But what I learned is um, you just heard about when you have all these traumas, you know, they they hang out in the frontal lobe of your brain and any little thing can just trigger, trigger, trigger. And so basically that EMDR helps you. It's like a filing cabinet in your brain. It helps you put things in the proper places. And so that you're, you're able to deal with situations better when they, when they arise. I waited that long. Wow. Uh, I, I wouldn't say, I will say and it's sad, but in 2014, when my father passed away, I was able to get rid of that trauma. The nightmares stopped, everything ceased immediately. You know, while everybody else was mourning him and 
you know, oh, you know, he was such a wonderful person. You know, I was like, for you, maybe. Yeah. Mm. But that, wasn't, that had to be hard. That wasn't my story. Yeah. But I respected that. You know, I respected that. But for me, I remember going into the bathroom in his room right after they pronounced him dead. Went to the bathroom. They're all sobbing. I looked in the mirror and I said, it's done. It's time to move on. I said that to myself mm. and I was able to move on, you know, so that chapter was done, but right. you don't realize until later when other traumas build on that. Yeah. Mm. These things start bubbling to the surface and going to counseling was probably the best thing that I could have, could have done. I'm going so out, I've done for years, I've gone out and helped other people through trauma. You know, my yeah. field is the mental health field now, and that's my job is outreach. And um, I can do that so easily, but I couldn't necessarily do that for my for myself. And I tried to, I tried to fix myself. So it's like a uh, uh, brushing it aside. It's like, I've got this. And I think, Byron, I think you can relate to this. It's like finishing your basement. It's like, by golly, I'm going to learn this. <laughs> I'm going to do this. I'm going to do it. Well, and that, with the say, help of the, the wife that I have, you know what I mean? So, so there's that too. But yeah, I agree with you for sure. Yeah. Well, and as a man, I think he felt like he was supposed to be strong and, you know, and in, in charge and fixing everything that came around and, as as the female counterpart to all of that, you know, my thought was I could nurture everybody to wellness, and it's not that simple. It's just not that simple. That's very um, interesting too. Like the the weight that you both uh, were able to carry, although you have both dealt with you know traumatic events, um, one is carrying the weight of manhood. And saying, I got this. I'm going to take care of it. I tried the counseling thing. That didn't work. I tried to be a good neighbor to this man. And he took advantage of me and my then significant other. And it didn't work. So I'm going to do it myself. You know, and then yeah. for you, Heidi, for you, you know, it didn't work out for me. So let me try to make everything right for everyone else. Like what amount of weight to take on you know, for one yourself, but then for also for others, like two different sides of a traumatic event, trying to get over it in different ways. Like, how did that work for the two of you? Like you, Joe, trying to handle it yourself. And then you, Heidi, trying to overcome your your challenges and your strife by helping others. Did that affect your relationship positively, negatively, or? I think positively, I, I because, um, you know, just we think of our lives now and we're, we're up here in the North. It's cold. It's, you know, we've had that snow and really, um, but if you go to a beach and you're in a, uh, a very nice warm location, your life kind of soothes and your troubles seem to just melt away. And that's based, that's where we were because um, our our life was going really well. And it, I guess you could say that we were, you know, on a, on a sandy, sunny beach yeah. and, um, and that, and, and we just started to heal little it's by me. little by little. And I think Brittany, you said compartmentalize and 
that's what I did. I just put it in its place and I just closed the door and um for a long time yeah and sometimes the door opened but i, I can tell you a hundred percent today i'm i'm uh 100 healed and that's amazing and in yeah. that you know then we fast forward and our kids are young teens and both are dealing with mental health issues despite the fact that you know we thought we provided this utopia family for them you know and we did all the we checked off all the right boxes right and provided this world for them yet they still became sick you know that was at uh 14 and 15 were their ages at the time pretty much happened at the same time one was worse than the other our son was uh, worse than her at the time uh, with mental illness um a few years later probably when Adam was 18 and she was 19, if we had to say that there was one dark spot in the marriage, Joe got a promotion and was transferred back to Missouri. And I think that was the first time, and we'd not been married how many years at that point? 20. Yeah. And then we experienced a conflict between the two of us. Mm -hmm. um, there was not any less love but he wanted to go. I wanted to stay. And I didn't feel like I had any power in that and any choice. And so I stayed behind for a year because I wanted to get finish my business out. And our kids were struggling so badly. Um, and they claimed they wanted to stay in Oklahoma. And I wanted to give them that year to be able to get on their feet if that was their choice. And it's kind of silly because it it caused some strife between the two of us, but we were able to work through it because, because we just have that powerful love. And we both took turns on weekends driving back and forth from Kansas City right. to Tulsa, Oklahoma, four-hour drive, because it, it did mean a lot to us to keep our relationship together. But there was a lot of hurt, I would say. Yeah, that's true. You know, and we were able to work through it. But And then the kids ended up moving with us. Well, to kind of frame that a little bit, I had been uh, working very hard with a large insurance company, sitting at a desk <laughs> day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year for a very long time. So there was that part, and I was really wanting i think a change uh, the other thing too and i'm i'm just going to be honest about it uh we had some financial issues and they were pretty serious and we owned two houses they both had mortgages and lots of other things that we had going Lots on kids had, in and out of the hospital the uh, expenses had, just piled and piled we had we had significant considerable like life-changing debt um, and it was just not good. I, I mean, we, we were both making good money and then we got paid and then we'd have $50 each to live on for a couple of weeks or, um, or getting the water shut off a couple of times. And you, you're just always behind, you know, um, and that was stressful. I'm going to yeah. say that was stressful. And I had gotten this opportunity for this promotion to move from Tulsa to Kansas City, 
And it, that solved a lot of problems. Uh, the problem solver, just right. like we were talking about right. earlier, right? Yes. Number one, yeah. um, companies will tend to help you move. They'll buy your house, uh, among other things. So we sold our two houses. We had lots of equity in one of yes. them. So we were able to basically nearly instantaneously go from $400,000 in debt to nearly debt-free in just a matter sure. of months. And sure. so that was a huge advantage of moving. And then we were closer to our parents. And then our kids were having a lot of trouble in Oklahoma. Right. And they were hanging out with the wrong people. And then we, we could get them out of that environment and give them a chance for a new start. It just really, to me, it was very clear. But I will never forget the day that I told Heidi um that i got the promotion and i had pretty much made the decision and we're moving in two weeks yeah. oh, wow I, <laughs> that was the part that got yeah right. yeah and this is what yeah. she said nothing <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, See, I yeah i mean even the military gives you more than two weeks and, and what's right. going through right. my mind i have to give up 20 years of a business that i built you know, Absolutely. and so to me, that was a great sacrifice. And I needed that time to process that. And I think that was probably a good thing that I did that. Yeah. Because if I had just rushed and left right then and told everybody, sorry, you know, I know you signed contracts for the next year, but I'm, I'm leaving you, you know, um, I would have had a lot of guilt, I would have had a lot of resentment for that. Mm -hmm. But he allowed me that time. It was right. tough. Yeah. It was right. tough. He was yeah. living in an apartment in, in yeah. uh, Kansas and Lenexa, Kansas, and he was paying for that. I was paying for the mortgage on that other, the house that I ran my business out of. And, you know, so it was it, it ended up being the best thing we could have done the move. And we sure we grew, of course, closer again. And then, mm -hmm. you know, and so beyond that, so beyond that. But that was hard. I'm not, it was I'm, hard. That, that was a, you know, yes. I, was a, we never, ever ever considered leaving each other no. that was never a consideration even though that was a dark dark time um matter of right. fact we've said from the very start we have, we will never use the d word right mm. it's, it's it's not even a concept that you know that's a yes. possibility and yes. um, never have never will i heard yeah. you say i heard you say that but he allows you to have that time and I'm thinking, you know, about me and Brittany, like having been in that same situation um, and how Brittany would have thought about me having to leave us having to leave in two weeks or me accepting that promotion, what that conversation would have been like her, her, her response would not have been okay, like we would have, had, she would have been talking a lot more uh, than that. But I say that to say, like, but you also afforded joe the time he needed to right and then it ended up i did out. but like i regret what he needed to hear from me was i'm proud of you and congratulations yeah and i sure. felt that but i was just sure. so shocked and i was kind of hurt that i wasn't part yeah. of that process no right. i think that's no. human yeah. that's very human yeah right right that's good i was just gonna yeah. say how brave of you both you know one for you joe you'd be like you know what this is gonna be so difficult I know we need to do it though. And how great of an opportunity it is for me to really prove myself almost like having gone through these things and me questioning my manhood 
to say, you know what, this is an opportunity for me to take the reins here and make some really tough decisions to, mm -hmm. to benefit our family and yeah. not knowing what the sacrifice would have led to. And so, and then, you know, Heidi, for you to just be like, you know what, I'm going to stay back. Like that's, that's brave, you yeah. know? And you uh, did it for the sake of your children. I mean, that's what it sounds like in your business, but I'm sure that was in the back of your mind. Like there's a yeah, lot going sort of the, on. Yeah. That was I'm the first. I'm going to I'm do scared. that. Yeah. I was absolutely. scared. Our son was 18 when we moved here and we had already lived through four years of multiple suicide attempts and I was scared. I was terrified. And, um, but coming here also brought me into the mental health field where I was better able to communicate with my kids. Um, and Joe too, we both volunteered, you know, for the national Alliance on mental illness, well, for going on 14 years now. Um, and now I work for them. Right. And it's a it's very rewarding, you know, but it did help us to communicate. It didn't it didn't prevent the ultimate suicide of our son because he was very, very sick. And I don't like it, but I but I understand that. He ultimately would have completed suicide no matter where we were. I know that now. If we had been back in Oklahoma, hindsight is 2020, right? But right. I would not have had the support system that I had here, you know, with NAMI and with, mm -hmm. you know, people that just banded around us that was just incredible. Um, and the church that we ultimately ended up, you know, belonging to. That was after his death. But all of that would not have happened were we still back there in Oklahoma? We would have still been trying and trying and trying. And, you know, um, a lot of people blame one another with the death of a child, especially a suicide. Yeah. Um, we never went through that. But do you think that would have been different if we were in Oklahoma? I don't know. It's hard to say. We, um, because... Not only did she have a business and all of its pressures, and I had all of my pressures, then we had a, a son who was severely men mentally ill with schizophrenia. And, you know, my approach was, I'm, I'm going to be dad. I mean, he was a freshman in high school, and he just walked out of school. <laughs> and I'm like, no, 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 that, that, we're not going that direction. You must be in school. And I was you know, bringing the hammer down, saying that this is not how things are going to work. With the benefit of hindsight, there's really nothing we could have done to relieve those symptoms of mental illness. It right. just was what it was. And he had very strong hallucinations. And it's not one of those things where you just pull yourself up by the bootstraps and power through it like, mo like most of us can. Um and the, the symptoms just got worse and worse. And um, Heidi and I got better and better at communicating. And we, we, you know, decided to take the approach. Well, let's learn what this is about. And right. our communication with and NAMI gave us a life because we then understood what we were dealing with and we understood how to communicate. And our relationship was a lot better with him, even though, the illness was very, very strong. Yeah. And you know, it's interesting because Aunt Heidi, you said something like, well, when people lose a child, sometimes they're more torn apart. 
you guys did stay together, but there's also a relationship becoming disconnected because of trauma, because I can only imagine losing a child is traumatic. That is not something that everybody deals with, you know? And so did you ever, maybe you were still there, but were you disconnected? Were you disconnected in multiple facets? Were you like, I'm, I'm here, but I'm a robot. I'm just kind of going through the motions. Oh yes, absolutely. It's almost like an out of body experience. You know, you feel like this is surreal. This didn't happen. And one of these mornings when I wake up, I'm going to realize that was a nightmare and it didn't happen. Yeah. But it's real. But it's real. Yeah. Another oh, yeah. part too is like, you know, having dealt with all of these traumatic events, most people would ask why me, you yeah. know, and live this life of I'm just the pedestal of other successes. I'm going to be the sacrificial lamb. Why am I having to go through all of this? How were you all able to overcome such, you know, dire moments? And not only- You know, you do ask those questions. Yeah. You do, yeah. especially in the beginning. I am at a stage in my recovery where, um, you know, and I, th I think how, you know, God never promised us life was going to be easy. That we are going to have trials, right? Um, and so the real question is, why not me? Why should it be you or you or her or him? Why not me? It doesn't make it easy, but that is my burden. That is my cross. And I have to carry it. But to me, the difference is, is what you do with that. You know, I could choose to be bitter. I could choose to be angry and hurt other people in my path because, yeah, why me? Right. Or I can choose to reach out to other people and say, I'm here for you. I've been where, you, where you're walking right now. Yeah. And also maybe reach out to those people that are feeling like that and prevent something like that from happening. So it's, you know, that's been helpful in my recovery. Well, and I, I think the other thing too is, um, I just didn't want Adam's death to be a waste because if he died and we just had his funeral and then that was it, then he's just gone. And so we use our experience to help other people and that way it keeps him alive. I love that. And Correct me if I'm wrong on any of this, but what I'm hearing, like the overall theme for your marriage and for dealing with trauma, there's a few handful of things you continuously say is one, communicating, but I've heard you say to also learn what it is, the mental illness or the trauma that the other person is going through, be a support team, make sure you listen. And at the end of the day, seek out professional help and to recover from that trauma are those kind of things that you would say help you get through these things oh yeah i mean we were really fortunate i mean we had you guys i mean we we had conversations on this we had have a and at the time and have a very supportive family my brother was just awesome i could talk to him about any of it or all of it my sister the same thing and they would follow up and check up on us and see how we're doing uh, my brother's spouse, they really just jumped in and really helped us and our family like coalesced around us. 
And um, if had we not had that, I don't know. We would have where, been lost. We would have just been lost because we, you know, we were, uh, I mean, we, we found him dead in our basement. And um, there's no words at all. It's just awful to, to say the least. And uh, that's your flesh and blood. And they're, you know, Absolutely. your baby and and her sister and she stayed with us that very first night everybody just dropped what they were doing and um and it was on christmas day so of all of all times i will forever thankful for both sides of the family for helping us through that the other is we found a great community in our church and I know there's lots of different thoughts on that, and people have had bad church experiences on and on, yeah, but we have to, yeah, yeah, for sure. But overall, uh, our pastors helped, and uh, our our church was more like a, a hospital for the mentally wounded people, like we were, and we were able to find people that that are Christ centered, and that has been our focus, and we find a ton of healing in the Bible. And um, and that's just the way our lives are going. And I, I think as much as anything between our family uh, and our church family and our pastors and, you know, Christ Jesus and God through the Bible itself, we have come to a spot of, uh, I would say, um, awesome healing. It's it's yes. It's been really good. And I think listening to you guys, thank you guys both so much for sharing your story, but listening to all of this, I hope that it provides hope to other listeners, you know, that maybe they can take some of the things you've done. Like you were saying, Heidi, like you didn't get help until you were 60, like professional help, like hopefully it'll help somebody else that's younger and they can conquer and start recovering and healing, you know, and hopefully that will help their marriage in the long run as well. Sure. Absolutely. A story of, of hope. And knowing that, you know, you can get through anything as long as you can, you believe yeah. in it, uh, finding a source of community, trust, vulnerability within your partner, um, and just knowing that things are going to work out uh, in your favor. You created a foundation within your relationship by saying the D word is, is not a thing for us, yeah. you know, and right. with yeah, that just not discussed. The, yeah. Yeah. And with that being the foundation, we now know that we're going to make it through it anything and literally everything. anything and and here you yeah. are now and then just to 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 endure again what you have and to share your word with everyone and to continue to help lives of everyone adam's story will forever live on uh because of the beautiful parents that you are and continue to be so we again we Thank just you. appreciate you for sure and for our listeners um if you don't know what nami is uh, if you could just share what that acronym stands for Ahead, National Charles. Alliance on Mental Illness. It's nationwide. Every state has a, 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 a state-run NAMI, and there are cities underneath that are the affiliates. Like we are the Kansas City, Greater Kansas City affiliate of Missouri. It's a phenomenal organization. And you know, if you're struggling or if you have a family member that's struggling, there are services for both. For both of you there are support groups there's classes um they really did save our lives i feel like um and our sanity a little bit uh but it's all free to the public 
Nobody has to pay for those services. We're not charging you anything. So come, you know. Yes, you have nothing to lose. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, yeah. and I, I got to tell you too, I know we're probably running out of time here, but this is the place where we were at. And it's, it's really in, in NAMI, we embrace humor as healthy. You know, we were having so much trouble with both of our kids, which our oldest, Stephanie, is doing phenomenally. Her and Marlon are in a super good place right now. They're doing so well. But this is where we were at because we were going through so much trouble and we would listen to other people and their their kids and all the amazing things that were going on in their lives and then and then their family runs into deep trauma and the the grandfather is so upset because because his granddaughter was accepted to princeton and he <laughs> is a harvard graduate and he wanted her to go to harvard and there's this big division in the family and it's just terrible and uh you know and heidi and i would sit there and shake our heads and it's like you know we completely understand our, our son was fired was fired from subway after only two weeks you know? yeah another one of our nami principles is we don't judge anyone's pain unless they are own. Own. <laughs> yes so you, had, oh. you had asked earlier though what advice we would give to other parents who've been through similar traumas don't blame yeah you blame yourselves enough, you know, ind individually. Just refrain from the blame game. You've got to love on that person. And it's like Joe says often, well, she's in just as much pain as I am. Why would I want to hurt her like that? And vice yeah. versa. You have to be there to listen when they're when they're hurting. And so often people are like, I don't have time for this. You know, or I, didn't, I don't understand it. So I can't, I don't want to deal with it. But, yes. you know, when you're in a marriage and when you love one another, you owe that to that. Yeah, that person. another person is not a puppet. You know, they just right. don't, you know, yeah. And they, they can't read your mind. And they're, you know, they're not puppets. And they're their own person. Yeah. Well, because if you're pointing the finger, you're, you're assuming that person did not love them as much. Exactly. Well, you had not said or done this. But yeah, but you did this. It's like Joe said, ultimately, he was very, very sick. No one was to blame. Right. He didn't choose to be sick. We didn't choose that for Absolutely. him either. Well, I, we I, thank I, you guys both so much for coming on and telling your story. Um, we really appreciate it. Thank you for having us. We're definitely honored to be around you guys. We'll take every minute we can get. Yeah. Oh, we love you guys. Thank you guys so much for listening in today on Dirty Laundry. I hope that Heidi and Joe's story can reach to someone. You know, I know they've had a lot of traumas they went through in their life, and I appreciate them sharing that. Yeah, it, I mean, we talk about this show all the time. The purpose of this platform is to be vulnerable, to open up and air out some of the things that you've experienced to help others. And this is just a great opportunity that we've had on today. So appreciate all of you listening again. NAMI is the National Alliance on Mental Illness. If you have an opportunity, go ahead and check it out. And you know what it is. Be blessed. Be you. Just be. Yeah. I'm blessed to be me.